Switching the mic on helps a lot. In terms of this uh, process, this period of time together, eight, nine days together, quite compressed in some ways, it's fairly intense. I just see things we're putting aside and things we're encouraged to dwell upon and meeting difficult pieces of experience, trying to draw up resources that are not the normal ones, you know, not our, you know, like faith and uh, inspiration and uh, commitments and this nature, patience. Mm-hmm. So you just draw and try to touch into and draw up these qualities. So this is, uh, you know, fine kind of training. You don't get it, you don't get it accomplished in in a week. Or year, it's kind of reviewing. So this evening, I thought I don't really want to add too much more information. I probably will. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to just, you know, re, you know, kind of recap in a way, or maybe put some another way of looking at it, but try to bundle it up again. So, you know. So one can remember it, because, or get get the main features. Mm. Just to also bear in mind that the, the Buddha taught, gave this teaching, gave these teachings with the understanding that we could do it. it may, <laughs> but it doesn't. You know, you can do it in time. In time, there's a process. It's not just to switch it on; it works. It goes a process and process of. Uh, Steadying, having faith, meeting that which gives rise to faith, rise to inspiration, rise to the possibility as an alternative to just kind of uh, material gains or struggling through as a something really deepening, you know, and as an alternative to being stuck in the places we feel ourselves stuck in our addictions, our phobias, our wounds. Uh, compulsions there's an alternative so you know this is the arising of faith meeting a teaching that mentions these things spells these things out meeting people who spell these things out and say yes you can work through this you know and maybe begin to exemplify some of the results of that you practicing in in this communal field where you begin to say you know looks like you know people do get some results so Without that sense of, of um, there is an alternative, it can be done, and, and done by, all, by human beings, then it's just an idea, isn't it? It doesn't really, maybe an interesting idea, studying Buddhism, but uh, as, a, as a commitment to practice, we need to have that sense it's more than an idea, it's actually a, something that can touch into real, real experiences we're having and turn them into something else. Mm. And essentially, the experience of can be, you know, crystallised around that anything that causes stress, suffering, uh, in all its manifold forms and voices, the needing, the desperation, the loneliness, the compulsiveness, the I can't bear this, the you know, whatever these voices come up, there's a way through that. So this quality of faith. Very essential. It's not belief. It's the willingness, the sense that things could be other. Yeah. And from that, you're remembering that, and so what their devotional practices are about, like bowing and chanting. Obviously, you know, seems strange in many ways, but we are kind of coming together at a particular point of affirmation. This is possible, and this this is a vehicle. For those who can practice with integrity, you know, practice thoroughly, practice appropriately, and practice with wisdom, practice insightfully. You want to be part of that. 
Welcome. So affirming the vehicle practice, faith, and then as we affirm it, then energy is aroused. And now we have the, what are we going to apply it to? So important to, to recognize this treasure of our, of our energy, which is held with attention. What we attend to gives energy to things directed with intention, what we're interested in, what we're committed to, what we're moved towards, energy will go towards that. That will become big for you. And if you attend to something, that will become bigger for you. So, you know, this quality of just, you, you know, looking at energy as, as even what you bear in mind repeatedly, what you're inclined towards, and in the banya, the wisdom, bearing this in mind, and getting some sense of collectedness, in really realizing the results of you just keep attending to to certain things, dropping other, letting other things drop away. Your mind's going to get a bit more gathered together around one point, one theme, and you know, like body breathing, being present, just developing compassion or kindness, and you bear these themes in mind. Your mind gets interested in it. As I was saying to some people, I think today, you know, just even choosing your, your meditation object, you have a choice what you attend to. You know? And this, this image of what he used of the cook, the king's cook, who, uh, or the skillful cook and the unskillful cook. So the unskillful cook just serves up some, you know, I don't know pasta, lasagna, da 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 puts in front of the king, walks off. The king kind of picks away and he doesn't really like this onion. <laughs> doesn't like onions, doesn't like anchovies. There's kind of a little bit of something he likes, so he eats that and leaves the rest. Cook takes the plate away, he doesn't even notice. So after three days, cook gets fired, <laughs> serving his food. So the skillful cook prepares the same sort of meal. Stand, when he puts in front of the king, he stands back, watches what the king eats. He doesn't like lasagna, he doesn't like anchovies, I'm not going to do that again. Let's give him something he likes. He seems to like those bits, so let's try this, some chickpeas or some alfalfa sprouts or whatever. You know. <laughs> next day he brings those on, puts them on, king, ooh, Next day, three days, the, king, the cook gets, his wages get increased, you know. So he's saying, this is the way you should present things to your mind. You can't just keep stuffing this thing down its throat. <laughs> it's not going to swallow it. You know. <laughs> Get in there. You know, it's supposed to be good for you. <laughs> mm. A broad range of people feel that just you know being in your body is manageable. It's, it gives you more. Gets you grounded. Uh, you know, you can walk with it, you can sit with it, it's something to keep coming back to, it gives you a sense of here, isn't this useful? Hmm? How, you know, without something like this, we are indeed really at risk, because the dimensions, the fantasies, the preoccupations that the unguarded heart, the unguarded mind can get into, you know, without something to moor it on, things it just runs around, you know, and uh, tries to find something to, to feed on, because he hasn't got a home, like an orphan, running around. You know. So just this sense of being able to come back into body, doing this, and then really looking at more thoroughly, the whole body, not just it's kind of an activated zone in your face or your chest, we're trying to get the wholeness of it, start making it a bit more thorough. So part of the effort also is to attend more completely to that whole form, seeing the results of that. You know, generally when one is stirred up, angry or disappointed, energy rushes up to the face, the head, there's a kind of buzzing, we get wound up and we, we lose it. So just this simple thing of you recognizing that activation when you feel stirred, you can feel it in your body, feeling stirred up, and then 
Let's see what's happening in my knees, what's coming down my back. Feeling overwhelmed, where's my feet? You know, so you begin to develop this kind of reflex you know, to, to balance, to hold the mind. It's not making any comment really on the mental state. It's just saying, let's just, first of all, you know, find yourself a place to, to, start, to stop, to check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I might say this is a, recommended as a very walk with it, stand with it, sit with it, sit with it a lot, do it a lot. Scanning, moving through the body, beginning to know the body much more thoroughly than just what our eyes can see. Because you, know, you begin to study and begin to feel tensions, pulses, stiffnesses, painful pieces. And now when we sit, we're cultivating a, a way of working with that and then feeling even within that certain senses of, even when the physical form seems about okay, certain senses of, you know, breath withdrawal, breath, something can't breathe out completely, or we're breathing in very agitated ways. We feel a certain strange sense of pressure around the throat, or we feel a stirring in the abdomen, like a strange stirring sense, or you feel tight in your diaphragm. So you're using breathing, you can come into breathing you know, widening, getting a wide focus, so to just be able to, you know, work with these. These, and then this is, a, say, a fundamental reference to to the body and body, and where the body and the chitta, the body and heart mind meet. And the breathing is right there because it carries the emotional and psychological effects: panic, depression, anxiety. You know, when it's breath that snatches and grabs, or breath that's smooth and calm, it carries both psychological effects and physical. So it's the way the two meet. So this can be a useful parikama, useful meditation theme. Mm. So we, you know, as I was saying earlier, just keep coming back to that, test it out again. And uh, also just realizing that, of course, the way way we are, there's various memories and moods and afflictions and stuff comes up, and you've got to keep coming back to where what's needed now to bring back faith, bring back confidence, recollecting one's skillful deeds, recollecting the goodness of other people, calming the heart with that recollecting good deeds, recollecting the things one has refrained from doing even. <laughs> you know, you get through the end of a day and you haven't blown up at anybody, you haven't, you know, chalk it up, good day. <laughs> you know, could have done damage, didn't, good day. Particularly if one was tested, you know, I managed to really not retort or, you know, not take a hit of that. You know. And then really taking responsibility because you begin to see how you can gladden the mind through recollection. And then just looking how sila, so saying how morality or conventional behavior can be a source of not just moral rectitude but of happiness. Because you can go through the day and you can just recollect. You didn't, you know, didn't support any, any kind of negative states. They may have arisen but you didn't support them didn't support indulgences, indulgences where we just say, ah, it doesn't really matter, you know. What does that feel like? So, greed and aversion, and then really looking at our tendency to be indulgent even. So, this, you know, has one lived with integrity. And of course, we don't, we miss it, and then we come back and Review that. How did that feel? So this we can saying this system of when you recollect, you're looking into the face of the mind. When you recollect certain actions or things you've done, what does it feel like now? And then if you 
skillful deeds will give this kind of nice, pleasant, shining, uplifting effect, relief. And then there's this gladness with that. It starts there. And then you just ask, what does it feel like? Relying upon the heart itself to tell you. So this isn't just sort of, you know, value judgments, but really where do, what does it feel like? I mean, the story of uh, uh, the monks in the city of 10,000 Buddhas, this uh, Chan Monastery in Northern California, and he's, it's a very tight ship, and he thought, he's kind of got this craving for a blueberry pie. A blueberry pie, blueberry pie. He wound up this kind of blueberry pie, giving attention to this thought of the blueberry pie. Blueberry pie expanded in the mind to this vast thing, dripping, succulent, (laughs) (laughs) berries, crusty pastry, (laughs) everything. And he finally got his hands on this blueberry. It was in the evening, you're not supposed to be in the evening. He found he's got this blueberry pie. where can he eat it? You know, you can't eat it around here. <laughs> so this is sort of furtive. So he will go up on the roof. The roof of the monastery. Go up on the roof of the... It's, it's in the evening. Gets up on the roof of the monastery. Walk around and get his pie out. He's saying, God, this is the masters. The other side of the roof. So he puts his pie behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Master Fast walking around the roof, looking down... So he thinks, well, so he starts walking around the roof as well, kind of mumbling. They're <laughs> both walking around, walking around, walking around. And they think, geez, I hope he doesn't find my pie. <laughs> and they walk around the roof two or three times. Master Wild comes up and says, What does it feel like? <laughs> and walks off. <laughs> How does it feel? You know? <laughs> you know? How we. <laughs> realize how you can, you know, empower a blueberry pie and you give attention to it, you energize it and then what have you lost? You know, what have you lost by giving that, that power? You've lost something where you lost your own heart at that time. You lost your ability to be open, you've got to be furtive, you don't really want to notice it yourself, you don't want anybody else to see it. Don't live like that, you know. Mm. And of course, for many of us, this is just small things that we just deflective pieces that we look, you know, push, switch something on, and get absorbed in something. So it's not anyone's going to blame you, but just what is that? Ah, oh, well, just stop on that one. What does that feel like? Is it good? Is it would like to recollect that state? Stay with it? Make much of it? Or is it just me going, ah, fed up and bonk? You know, or a compulsion, which we have one of our addictions, you know, addictive things. How does that feel like? Just ask yourself. Look at it. Look at the mind state. There's a possibility to, to, we acknowledge this, and so, so we're saying, here, this ritual of every day, we're asking forgiveness, Buddha Dhamma Sangha. I don't, you know, these statues are not going to do any forgiving, but it's that sense of recognizing to, to my possibility for awakening. Have I kind of forgotten that, not bothered with it? You know, lost the plot, as it were. Have I lost touch with, where have I lost touch with the Dhamma today? Hmm. Well, you're going to get into a whole guilt trip, but just the, where did, it, where did I lose it? I lost it around that, you know, blueberry pie, or I lost it around that movie, or I lost it around that, you know, something, or I lost it when I was kind of blame, gossiping about somebody else. Was that, just take that state, look at it. Do you want to stay with that? Is that a good one to recollect? Me kind of dumping on somebody? <laughs> so, the, yeah, okay, now let's, say, let's acknowledge acknowledge that and then feel that then can it can it be something I can be open about and let it pass come out of it it's very important to find the place of what we call forgiveness for then forgiveness or just resetting you know from from the distracted woolly 
blurting instinctive states resetting to you know wow that's pretty what's now just resetting back to here's the body here I am stay with this let those energies settle down clarify stay with this until it's passing and it's passing this is what we can do with our when we recollect there's different ways of of um, dealing with some of these uh, um, these old lists of hindrances and blemishes and defilements and taints and corruptions and cankers and things and <laughs> it seems like it's just like total blemish but uh, there's also there's even more lists of of the beauties <laughs> And the, and the joys and the treasures of the mind that put a very thorough uh, presentation of these. Mm. There's various ways of dealing with that, mm. dealing with this experience. And we have, say, the level of where it's obviously a manifest external object, you know, see something you're, where lust is aroused. You know, and you just say, look, just cut that off, you know, just stop playing with that, you know. Doing you know, the addiction, these magnetic pulls of lust or aversion or anything of this nature, just stop it. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's just take your attention away. And this is what we call cutting, cutting off. Doesn't mean we're dealing with the whole topic, but at least we're just breaking the trance, breaking the trance. It's called the, uh, the, um, the kambana. Uh, just cutting off the, cutting off the flow of, of energy into that um, the passions and our obsessiveness just direct stop direct your attention elsewhere pull out and this is to do very much when we're getting that through the eye through the external senses you can pull off or you're deliberately thinking about something just stop doing it pull out so we're looking at how we can create fresh karma through just staying with something, you know, how you lay down tendencies, because whatever you keep giving attention to becomes the dominant tendency of the mind. It's just simple arithmetic, really. You keep giving energy to it, that becomes the preoccupation, the dominant tendency of the mind. It adds up, doesn't it? There's no condemnation, it's just plain, plain math, you know. You keep piling up the juice on that one, it's going to get bigger and deeper, isn't it? So we recognizing that with a sense of concern for ourselves and affection and realizing our potential, we say, you know, I don't need that, just pull out. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. So this is something we should never, you know, miss, miss. so that when we can recollect the results of the sense of self-respect that comes when you have some ownership, some responsibility and you're prepared to engage it. Yeah, and then also to engage in the positive actions when you see that possibility. Here's the possibility for something that's generous, here's the possibility for something that's uh, giving, giving attention, giving support, the quality of that. Here's that possibility, take it. It'll be for my welfare. So this this is kind of basic daily practice. And as we come out of retreat, it's to really get a sense of that and to be coming from the right place with any of that. You know, this is for my welfare, for other people's welfare, and it's leading to the onwards to the elimination of obstructions and addictions and phobias. Things that we you know, feel frightened of even, you know, feel intimidated by. Can I, you know, just take a chance, take a, make that movement into, say, you know, sitting, meditation, um, turning up for life, rather than, you know, shrinking away from it, turning up for life, taking responsibility.
It may surprise you, but for myself, I'm, you know, years ago I was rather a shy person. I never really wanted to be up front or out giving talks or anything. (laughs) But then, you know, it's that sense of the, the nervousness. Nervousness is that which is encouraged. Come forward, move forward, come out of that, you know. Just come forward, move out of that. And still trying to say, don't get worried, don't, it's nothing to say, nothing to say. You know, try to speak straight from the heart, speak with a mind of compassion and concern for others, speak of the way, speak of conditions and causes, don't disparage others, and um, not seeking any gain. You know, kind of set that up, the five five factors for teaching and set that up. Is there anything to say? You know, just do it. So he's just working with that, lots of things. And then certainly with any kind of degree of renunciation, there comes that, the fear. When I first came to monastery, it was more or less day one. You know, I hadn't done any meditation, just toddled in. And that, so right, there was no food in the evening. I'm going to die, I'm going to die, starve, hungry. <laughs> so I get this agitation. And because uh, where I was, you just had to, had a little hut to live in, and then the summoners would bring food round. And the summoners were only little boys, like about, looked like they're about 12. I thought, I'm relying on these little kids to give me food. You know, maybe they'll forget. <laughs> Some days they did forget. Not very often, but once or twice they forgot. So you know, it's feeling, oh, food won't come, food won't come. Uh, and then you get the food, I won't get enough food. I'm going to die, starve, pain. You know. <laughs> just, just, you know, just going through that. And so that sometimes when the food would come, you think, oh, great food, you stuff it all down to make sure I wouldn't be hungry in the evening. And then, this, you know, doesn't feel good. You know, just the, 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 the fear of hunger. So then just deliberately taking less and actually because he just felt more comfortable taking less and I'm hungry in the evening, that's the way it is. And sometimes you feel a bit hungry, it's not that bad. It's actually better than feeling full <laughs> for meditation. To just feel a little bit on the lean side is keener, clearer than feeling like you're really, you know, rolling over <laughs> on your back. <laughs> Trying to make sure one's got enough. <laughs> so, you know, live, living closer to the edge, not just worrying too much about the future and storing everything up. These are good things to, to just work with. You know, how much is my life bent around warding off the fear of the future? What might happen? Could I just say, well, I'll take that when it comes. I want to live clearly now and see what comes out of that. Is that this is faith and this is putting it into practice. So then you can do deliberate things that you can do to, to challenge these these patterns. Now when we come to, to more introspective meditation then uh, some of this process is, it can be quite subtle because you're actually looking at a really into mental phenomena, not, not things that are out there. Or I mean, you're looking really at the mental basis of phenomena. You know? And so this gets more subtle. Because you know? there isn't, you know, there's not some physical object that you're attracted to or worrying about or averse to. So you're looking at those very experiences and they're coming up versus memories or just energies. And then pausing, checking, not going into the topics. So again, with a similar sort of process, you cut, but you really what's called cutting the, the head off, which means you take the narrative out of it, the storyline. 
know. So it doesn't mean you, you know, can you feel still for disappointed or resentful or jealous, but now we're just take, cutting the head off it, which means you don't go into the he's this and she's got, always got one of those, everybody likes her and I'll never get my share. The story, just you know, crunch it down to feeling jealous, feeling not getting my bit. Now this is the function of deep attention or one of the functions of deep attention. Deep attention is, runs through all this. It means really looking at the effects that sense objects and other and opinions and views and memories and perceptions have on us. We're coming to the, you know, more mentally derived phenomena, purely mentally derived phenomena. And we just take take the narrative out. So it's just feel the feeling, feel the mind state as the mind state. And using the body reference to feel the mind state as the mind state. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's go through it again. You know, feeling, say, okay, we use the example of feeling jealous. Well, now, if I just notice, sense that and able to name it, the, all these things are everybody can have them. That's why they're there in the language, because everybody has them. Not weird, esoteric concepts. So when I notice that, then they, you know, might notice just the general overall sense of, of how I feel, how the body feels. And jealousy's got a souring effect to it. You feel, don't feel, the body doesn't feel buoyant, bright, vibrant, it feels kind of sour. It's a sour, kind of gnawing feeling to it. And it may feel very much, much up more towards our heads, before you don't feel jealousy in your knees. <laughs> <laughs> so mostly it's in the upper body that you feel these things. So we might just come to that and stop the topic and just come back to the entire body and how does it feel calming the feeling steadying the body steadying it on the breathing and some things will just dissolve like that just by coming to our senses you might say there's also the role of investigation yeah, so then we inquire into you know, say she's got a new car or something, then looking into what these things mean to us. You can investigate. It means something glowing. You know, she's empowered. How much, you know, how we, can, how we give power to objects. And really bearing in mind, when you bear in mind your own death and transience of physical objects and things like that and you think, why do I empower why why give why give energy and power to possessions and goods even fame you know how good is it how good does it feel somebody else's stuff can always feel good why is that why does your own stuff not feel good and somebody else's stuff feels good why is that <laughs> why is it that you want what you haven't got, and you don't want what you have got. <laughs> and so then, you, then you begin to contemplate that with wisdom. So it becomes not just the topic, but the whole scenario of, of, of uh, craving, of desire. What do I want what I haven't got, what I don't have? And you begin to get a sense of, we like to desire things. Well, you know, desire is, a, is a, it kind of gives me a sense of being filled. If only I could get that motorbike, you know, that holiday, that house, that set of clothes, this kind of glowing quality comes into you. We like that. This is called raga, passion. So tanha and raga work together. Tanha is the craving, saying, you know, we'll get that, that fulfilled, glowing experience of having one of these. And of course, when you got one, <laughs> it's just no longer like it anymore. <laughs> it? 
So tanha and raga are work on the, the sense of that's there, that's, that's desirable. Just imagine getting one of those, having one of those. It's fantastic to get one of those. You know, the powering up of the system, the raga, the passion. Mm. And then when you get it, you can't want it anymore because you got it. So you can't do wanting it. And so the, 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 the passion hasn't got anything to, to, to stand on. It starts to dissolve. And there's something else to want. That's why, that's how the, the craving is so unsatisfactory because it can only, you can only crave what you don't have. <laughs> you can't crave what you have, can you? And as soon as, as soon as you have it, then you can't crave it anymore. <laughs> and if you can't crave, then you don't get that burst of raga, of of passion. It doesn't happen. <laughs> and what's the what? So this about the possibility of having something flaring up, and then about to get it, about to get it, about to get it. And then this is called, uh, you know, upadana, when you're really clinging to get it, how to get it, and then got it, you've become something, and you become, you know, and then what the, the energy that got you there disappears. Now you're somebody with a Porsche. So, <laughs> you know, you get a little bit of glow for a while, and it sort of fades. You've just become somebody with a Porsche. Uh-huh. So, and now it's not, you can't want it anymore. So whatever we become, becomes something that we, is uh, following that trajectory, is unsatisfactory. So we seek something else to become. Or craving, raga, passion, passion, clinging, becoming. Hmm. This is the process that you contemplate. Once you recognize, I recognize, I, no way I'm ever going to be satisfied. <laughs> Through that. Then there is a system that provides uh, greater welfare, which is, I can, I can, I can be contented with my, being here, I can be contented that I'm, you know, that I have behaved in a certain way. I've been contented that I have good friends. I'm contented that I can still breathe in and out. I'm contented. And then you feel a different kind of fullness. Instead of being full of raga, passion, you're full of santusa, santuti, uh, the sense of contentment. And then this is, uh, the Buddha said, this is the, like one of the primary foods for the for those who are practicing call it the bliss of blamelessness you know, happiness of that and so then one of our efforts one of our encouragements is to learn to both to check the mind pull it restrain it stop come back to exert the mind look into that go to that rise up, make an effort with that, inquiring into it, encouraging it, encouraging it, and then developing enjoyment. So we have to enjoy the sense of, I'm free from, you know, I'm not free from blame, I don't blame myself. There's nothing, I've done nothing blameworthy. Um, You know, that, that, and I'm contented. Not craving. So the sense of enjoyment is so important to combat the passion, the sense of passion. As you practice, as you begin to look into some of these things, you realize, you know, that tremendous need to be filled. So this, then we come into a sort of much deeper levels of, of this uh, dukkha, which isn't really about things, it's about this primary need, the craving to be filled, craving to be filled with something. And it starts off most obviously with the kind of 
things we can imagine, we can see with their eyes or hear, to be filled with them, and they can't do it, can they? You can't put a motorbike in your heart. It won't fit there. <laughs> you, can't, you can't put a, a magic moment, you know, the prize giving or whatever it is, you can't put the trophy in your heart. There's the moment when, you know, and then, you know, how frustrating that is. So this, so we come to this much uh, a kind of deeper level of of the uh, of what's what the problem is. The need to be filled, if not filled with um, things, we can be filled with status. You know, I'm one of these now. I've made it to this level. I have this kind of renown. You know, I'm a great writer. I'm a whatever. You know. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be good at it, but the, the need to be filled. Because if I'm not filled, I feel empty and useless and pointless and dithering and wasting my life. Isn't that the case? So, because of this, the Buddha is saying, "Well, you know, let's try and fill ourselves with uh, compassion, kindness, conscience, and concern." And then more fully fill ourselves with the happiness of a calm mind, of samadhi. Happiness of self-respect through discernment and wisdom, happiness of samadhi. So we're beginning to to quell some of that raw hunger. Some of that gnawing feeling of vacuity. It's like this. So really see, seeing the, the meditation or any of these cultivations that you do is just recollection. Remember, it's a very full cultivation, recollections, acts of service, acts of generosity, acts of compassion. It means that you, you are there for your welfare. Meditation is there for your welfare. Acts of whatever we do in our, with our lives can be for my welfare the welfare of others and leading to this changing, turning the mind around to where we can really find find our, our happiness and completion. So with this much much is much is being done and, and naturally with meditation practice and particularly with samadhi experiences or non-samadhi experiences <laughs> whatever happens there can be a real fascination with with states you know states of mind good states nice strong deep state of mind that's what I, if i've got that on a retreat i'll put that down as a good retreat <laughs> yeah. And then I want to do it again. I had a good one five years ago with that teacher, so I'll go again and see if I can get there again. Do it again. Uh oh, it sounds like there's a snag here. <laughs> states. Yeah. And it's true, you know, states are recommended. Yeah. States are recommended as, if you like, as agencies. That will can be integrated to what we call levels. So there's states and levels. The states are very always be transitory because that's the nature of a state. Levels are where you integrate what you've understood. So levels are really about panya or insight or realization. So that's where things get integrated. You know, so samadhi can give you states. Any degree of samadhi will give you some states, at least even introspection is giving you some kind of state where you're beginning to check out what's skillful and unskillful. And then recognizing that, then the panya, wisdom aspect, is to integrate that into how you live. This is where you build it up. Get into some kind of recognition, realization, experience, and then as you integrate it into your life by 
What did it tell you? What was it really about? Hmm? And maybe one of the things we begin to most immediately learn is there are different, you know, life is not just what you see out there. <laughs> you know, there's a whole field in here that's worth cultivating. So this already is a level of understanding. And then we begin to get the sense of cause and effect. Very important understanding. What I do counts. Everything I do counts, actually. Every thought, every intention, every direction of attention has some effect. Isn't this kind of interesting and uh, valuable to know this? You begin to get this realization through, through meditation. So the level becomes one of much more con- living much more consciously. And much more, I know what I'm doing. I'm not just following what everybody else is doing, or nor am I resisting what everybody else is doing. I'm, I'm leading this ship. I'm not just kind of thrown around on it. So I'm able to continually, what do I want to give attention to? Where do I want to steer to? So this, this is a level of wisdom. You know? And one should be, just to have this much, one should indeed feel, you know, some self-respect that we can know this and then we're trying to feel it more fully and get there more fully so that's a level of wisdom that comes through just contemplating your mind when the mind is calmed and enriched then you get other realizations you start to get a sense of hey you know it's possible that it's even happier in here than out there You know, this fit is the most fertile field for cultivation. It doesn't always work, but it's, it's in there. There's some treasures in here. And then this means that your, your inclination towards, um, you know, the sense realm changes. You think, well, as long as it's okay, that's fair enough. As long as it's reasonable, manageable, just what I need, you know, food, shelter, something to wear, enough to get by on, medicines, bit of money in the bank, whatever. You know, that's good enough. Don't want anything more. That's not really. It's just that's just keeping the thing going, so as I can practice. That's quite a change when you integrate to that level. And then deeper than that, you begin to, as you cultivate, you begin to sense that actually um, there's this other thing that happens. Let's see. Letting go is better than holding on. (laughs) Integrate that one. Uh, The grabbing, even at uh, pleasant states, or trying to find something, or get somewhere in meditation, or achieve something, that is not so good as just, well, let's just be here, open up, feel that pressure, that need, and just come out of that. Here I am. Here I am. Well, that feels better than all that. So, and that's integrating that is very powerful effect. Opening and widening is better than rushing and seizing anything. And so this is the kind of things we may begin to sense through going through these experiences, through this process, and so sieving it out through all the narratives, if you can condense the narratives, looking into fairly core issues about self, other, comparisons, future, past, gaining, having, losing, what I'm going to be, what I am not, and just checking in those reflexes. So this is about, this transformation is really in terms of what's called sankhara, or the activations, the way our mind is formed. Talked about citta sankhara, the that which forms or patterns or programs the mind. You know, so we might say this is in terms of perceptions and feelings, but the particular programs are things we are inclined towards and interested in and how our mind reacts and responds. And the first level of Sankara is just to do with the compulsive reactivity. So this is where you just find yourself immediately grabbing or resisting or 
quarrelling or snapping back and he, uh, you check that. Then you have another level which is more about conscious reflexes, the way we find ourselves, you know, responding with conscience and concern or with anxiety with this and you just check, is this a good response? So when the, one of the, the ones that are compulsive, you've really got to just pause around the compulsive reactions. You know, even if there's things like, oh, it's up to me to do it. I've got to do it. Nobody else can check, pause, because you're creating karma there. <laughs> you know, so checking, pausing, what the, the thing that you've got to be there, you've got to do it, you've got to make it work. Um, or you can't do it. Mm. No, just checking some of these immediate knee-jerk reactions to experience. And then we you got to pause around that, looking into that and relaxing, calming that. Then we come to the level of reflex, which is when we are moved and we, oh, I better, you know, I better do that. I, yeah. Now, is that reflex, is it accompanied, if it's something you can witness and look into, is it accompanied by a skillful, happy or buoyant or fruitful mind state as you've been reviewing some of the things that you move around? Is this, you know, wish to do, is it accompanied by anxiety, is it accompanied by, you know, uh, prove I'm right, is it accompanied by, set somebody else straight, is it accompanied by, um, you know, get things done in a hurry, or is it accompanied by, this is, this is skillful, this is true, just bringing good qualities into the present, such as generosity, kindness, compassion, clarity, resolve, what you're doing, look into reflexes, Look into not just reactions but also reflexes. Mm. This is sankara. And, uh, I think for me a very common, you know, reflex is the got to get it done reflex. Running a bit faster than is necessary, with a, with, a, with a background anxiety that unless one runs, it's not going to get done, and nobody else will do it. You know that that reflex. So I check: is this skillful? Is this wholesome? Is this true? And pausing. I get to be such a kind of fidgety, fuss budget around things. <laughs> and one time I was, I was doing this um, it, was very, it used to be very sort of full on or in, or in my, I'm still kind of relatively full on but I mean really full on and one, one period of time I was doing this thing called the sitter's practice where you don't lie down ever so you just sit up all night and slump against the wall and things like that and I wasn't, also I wasn't talking and I wasn't reading so there's a lot of space in the day with nothing in it apart from feeling, you know, wanting to sleep, feeling drowsy, just leaning against the wall, just trying to find something to do, and end up water the plants, you know, and water the plants, plants are drowning in water. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I decided I couldn't read anything, so I couldn't occupy myself with that, and then I'd all renounce sweets, so I couldn't eat that, there was only one drink anyway, that was it. And I wasn't talking to anybody, so I couldn't do that. And so, and then, you know, I couldn't bury myself in bed, so I couldn't do that. So he's kind of going around picking away at things, flicking dust off the room, tidying things up, straightening the mat, sweeping, polishing things, and it's compulsive. So I just sort of just stop. And this kind of resolution, letting things be as they are. Letting, be, letting the mess be as it is. And sitting in, it wasn't really a mess, but the mind perceiving it as a mess. You know, letting my mind be a mess, because it wasn't particularly bright. 
I liked my mind to be bright and clear, and it wasn't. Letting the mind be a mess, letting the room be a mess, letting my life be a mess, and just sitting in it, just relaxing, letting go, relaxing, <laughs> until that nerve has got, got some control over it, got some say over it. You know, I do, I do now bathe and things like that. But, so I've come out of it, but it's just the reset, you know, from the compulsive to the conscious. And things like when not lying down for three months is is a tough practice, but since then, I've really found I'm not that, you know, I I can be anywhere. That was the beauty of it. If I don't get a night's sleep, it's okay. It's not going to kill me. If I don't get something to eat, it's okay. You know, any old room will do. Sleep, you know, sleep in chairs, sit in chairs, slump in airports, slump on planes. It's okay. <laughs> it's not the best, but it's okay. I don't get that panic of anxiety around things. Things can be a mess. It's okay. I don't get that panic of having to tidy everything up and sort everything out and get everything cleared by yesterday. It's okay for life to be a bit of a mess. So then, you know, certainly it was, well, if I could do something, do it. You know? put my attention to that, but then there's a time which that's it, enough. You know. Just making those resolutions, no more emails. You know. The world out there needs me. Well punk <laughs> <laughs> You know, it needs me to just be to get out of the compulsions. And then really letting some of that that, that rather than being a negative state, kind of the freedom of that, and taking it in. The mind is now more equanimous, more patient, more spacious, and taking it in. So then there's this, it can be a filling up. But the, the deepest, or the level of insight that's most uh, powerful, recommended, is just to keep reviewing the quality of attention, the attitude of attention, that keeps seeing self, imagining self, imagining a being. This is very fundamental. We keep imagining a being. Being here and a being there. These beings and this being. Imagine that. And right there is suffering, isn't it? Because here's the comparisons. Here's the separation. Here's the uncertainty about me and you. Yeah. And then we have a nice time together and it's, oh, it's time to end. Oh, come back next year. Well, don't know. Like that. Yeah. So that terrible teaching, all this mind, beloved, and please be separated from me. Yeah. This is the pain of being. When you're being, you're bonded to separation. Anything like that. Once we came out from our mother's womb, we were born, we were bonded to separation. We realized that cut, cord was cut. You know, you're separate. And that's happening quite a lot of the time, isn't it? Oh, moved house, lost my friend. Oh, so-and-so died. Oh, split up with my partner. Oh, visited so-and-so, now I've got to go somewhere else. You know, cut, cut, cut. Oh, remember the good old days when it was with da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Gone, cut, cut, cut. We're, we're born to that, we're bound into that. So as long as there's a being, there's pain. Fundamental pain. Sometimes it's buried under everything else because we try to make this being as completed as possible. The being is not complete. It never will be complete. It will always have that sense of separateness. And then with that, the loss, not wanting to lose, the trying to, to hold so we don't have to lose but still that there's something unresolved in that. So for our welfare, the Buddha said, really look at this sense, this keeping, imagining a being. 
There's that famous saying when the suttas, look on the world, void of self, then the king of death will not find you. Pain of separation will not find you. The sense of you know, coming and going, losing and will not get you. So is this annihilation or is it just uh, coming out of that reflex, that that mode of attention, the self-forming, which is the most fundamental sankhara that, that occupies consciousness. So, well, you know, you don't have to dismiss anything, just look clearly at what you're really experiencing. Perception, changes, you know, feeling, changes. You know, we get perceptions of this person, they're subtly changing. Sometimes they're held in always agreeable, but now this, now that. Mm. You know, and that the the and along with that, then these um, feeling and then the activations that occur around that, such as, if I'm getting it right with her, I haven't offended him, have I? Perhaps I should do this for for her or him. You know, the anxieties or the well, how are we together? Or now we're separating. Or, you know, that shimmer that occurs around being. Mm-hmm. And then when we come back to being on our own, how am I? What should I be? How am I doing? Well, I don't think I'm doing so well. I don't think I'm this. Because once you start to, you know, become a self, then the experience of that dissatisfaction arises. Mm. It's just, you know, very simple things. If you want to get depressed, start thinking about yourself. <laughs> you know. Now you can recollect values and virtues and defilements. So there's this and that. This is not beautiful. This is beautiful. That's ugly. That's that's what you can do. But if you start to Say well, what's this, how what is what is here? Who is this? And you make something out of it. Then, as <laughs> watch what happens. <laughs> you know, what should I do? Where should I go? How was I? How am I doing? What will I be? What am I with so and so? How am I with him and her? And then this kind of thing goes on. Mm. So it's really checking in with this. What's here? What's there? And then the Buddha is saying, you don't actually have to give up anything, really. You just encourage what's actually present. Conditions arising in the present. You encourage the conditions arising in the present. This is here. This is here. The rest of it, you know, the imaginations, you stop creating them. So it builds, that process builds up. We can say there's a sense of a here, but there's no person here. There's a sense of a here and a presence, but there's really no no body in it. There's a sense of being open to what's out there, but really there's nothing out there apart from forms, changes, responses, it's all that, you know. There's clarity, but there's nobody being clear. No ownership to that, it's just the way the mind is, just the way it goes. So in that we find our sense of, of both restfulness in terms of this relief from the agitations and stirring and a quality of free flowing energy that can be for your welfare, for my welfare, and leading onwards. This is the way the Buddha lived his own life with such incredible potential and activity and engagement and humor and courage and challenge and grandeur without being anybody. In fact, it was because he wasn't anybody. It was able to allow that to happen. Mm. This really just even playing with an idea, 
you know, to the degree in which you start to integrate that. Like, I don't need to be da. I don't need to be so-and-so's mother, father, you know. You know, I don't need to be Mr. Fix-It. I don't need to be these various roles and personae that we create, you know. I don't feel need to be inadequate, I'm not doing enough. So you start to, you know, begin to sense that the relief from that itself just to, to gives you the freedom to act clearly, presently, fully, in an enriched way. Because your mind is unified around action, karma, skillful action, with no hanging on to results, to, to identifying with results. So this, this means that our path begins to unify in terms of you know, how we act, how we are, how we meditate, how we live. So off this for your reflection this evening. Andamayang Ramakasaya Sadukarandadama Sadhu